hello and welcome back to the latecomers i'm amity i'm Lemuel. and this week uh we're gonna find out what happened with that grave kinda uh as we discuss episode three of chapel waits entitled legacy of madness but before we get started how was your week uh, my week went kind of well. I actually enjoyed myself. I got to relax a lot. I think I overdid it with the exercise yesterday. And as a result, a I'm sentence very I sore. will never say in my life. But um, <laughs> but how was your weekend? You, it was you good. Had a good time. I did. I went out of town. I played some games. I came back. I'm exhausted. You guys know the story. It's a, it's a monthly thing. And guys, I've made it a weekly thing for the next several weeks. Not weekly, a bi weekly thing for the next several weeks. Wow. We're in a mad dash to the end of the year, and I, there's a goal that needs, you know, what a completely self-imposed completing. Goal. Oh yeah, not 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 even my goal. Right, a friend's goal. This I'm just a really the, good the, the, friend. Yes, you are. <laughs> this is the depth of the the commitment of your friendship that you are willing to help somebody else reach their mad goal for the end of the year. Yep. Yeah. I'm questioning my sanity, but it's fine. It's well, fine. I'm also not too. questioning. I got. A little miffed when a certain person determined that since their diet precluded them from Thanksgiving festivities, the house was precluded from Thanksgiving festivities. And please be clear, I do not like what Thanksgiving does or is or celebrates, quote unquote, but I do enjoy the food. It seems me uh, to believe that we should have a Thanksgiving episode for Without Works. Okay, let's do that. We should address that. We should do that. Now, the food. The food. So we are going to do a Thanksgiving, a baby mini Thanksgiving that's going to be meat heavy. Yay, Mm -hmm. meat heavy. And uh, then I'm going to bounce after after that weekend. I'm going to go away. Go for more game playing. More game playing. We've got 12 games to get through and two visits to do it in. Oh, my gosh. Well, notes to the grindstone. That's right. It's very important. Very important, everyone. This is a bummer of an episode, y'all. No, not the episode. I, I'm still enjoying the show. Mm-hmm. I'm liking where the story is going. But we found out find out some sad things, which I guess if it's going to be called Legacy of Madness and you don't find out some sad, mad things, then Right. Then Legacy it's all of alive. Madness is such a kind of, um, I don't know, it's such an overstated title. The last one was called Memento Mori. They're not mm. above an overstated title. But it's also a gothic horror. Right. And I think one of the hallmarks of gothic horror, and you know better than I would for mm. sure, but when I think of the phrase gothic horror, overstated is oh, overwrought and understated, maybe, right. is the, the way that I think well, about it, it. It does feel very kind of overwrought and very... Um, very kind of penny dreadful. That's that's of another show that I want to watch. That <laughs> okay. So this episode first aired September twelfth, twenty twenty one. It is directed by a new director, Jeff Renfro, and written by a new writer, Scott Kosar. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those names will come back. Guess which one. Uh, Scott Kosar is an American screenwriter whose films include The Machinist, which if I recall correctly, is that the Christian Bale gets yes, super skinny? Yeah. And uh, Machinist is not The 2003 remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 
Which I remember you thinking Jessica Biel was quite good in. She was good. I was surprised. And, uh, and not to say that Jessica Biel is not a good actress, but at that point in her career, she had done the remake of dramatic. the Amityville Horror. That's my name. Mm. No, she had done what Seventh Heaven or whatever yeah. it was that she was on. And it seemed like the primary idea in this film was to put her in increasingly skimpier outfits as the film went on. I mean, that's what. Yes, but <laughs> she did a really great job of. Not just the um, the acting, mm-hmm. this sort of dread that you have to carry with you. And I've always admired an actor who can just come to work and be in this state of constant yeah. dread. And and what mm. I know about actors like that typically are they are not method actors, right? Because you can't be actors. They well, come to work and they do a job and then they go the fuck home. I remember the original actress uh, who played the part of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, if I'm not mistaken that she literally had a breakdown during a scene in the film. That's, it was just too 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 it, much. It was too gory, it was too strange, it was too absurdist. And and, and it was one of the first right. large well I mean there had been a lot of graphic there are, I've never seen mm, either of them. I don't so I'm speaking yeah, from I, a place I saw of the ignorance. remake. I didn't see the original because it's just like if I'm going to see something in the subject matter I'm not sure that I want it done as cheap and nasty as the original had to be. Even though you do have respect for Toby Hooper, right? I do have respect yeah. for Toby Hooper. And I have a respect for some of his other films. and Or Tobe? I, t- I think there. it is Tobe. Actually, I can't think of <laughs> I it. I think so, too. But um, and I think that he didn't get as good a, uh, or as long or as fruitful a career as he deserved. Yeah. Um, he was pretty steamrolled at several points in his career points. and he sort of blocked. But... Um, but yeah, uh, Jessica Biel, what impressed me about her was not just the fact that she was able to overcome or able to work in this sort of framework of just being terrified. To me, mm-hmm. that's something. Mm-hmm. You show up every day mm-hmm. and you just exhaust yourself emotionally. But also physically, there's a lot yeah. of running, screaming, yeah. jumping. Running yeah. while screaming is hard. Right. Running while screaming for 20 takes is nigh on impossible in my in my I, mind. I physically can't do either of those things, much less together. Yeah. Yeah. But um but yeah, I okay. the, just the amount of effort that it took on her part, it gotcha. really did impress me. Okay. So let's get to this episode though. Okay. We're not talking about Jessica Biel. She is not making an appearance, and as far as I know, she will not make an appearance, but you know, we're only on episode three. There are ten episodes this time, yeah. Uh but what we do have is um an empty grave. Uh-huh. Uh this episode continues. So this one picks up right after the cliffhanger. Well, mm-hmm. not right after. The next morning after right. the cliffhanger from last week wherein we learn that Stephen Boone's coffin though locked from the outside is in fact empty. We wake up and Charles has apparently passed out in the dirt which seems out of character for him since he has a Fear of being buried alive. I don't know that I sleep then next to an open grave, but you know, it could be just exhaustion. Yeah, he may have just passed mm. out and not woken till the morning, or fainted. He seems perplexed mm-hmm. as to what has happened, um, or like where he is. So we we're 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 coming into this one this episode with Charles really wanting to know what's the deal with his family. Uh, apparently, he knows very little about his family line 
And uh, so he decides to go visit, what is her name? Chloris. Mrs. Mrs. Chloris, who is the housekeeper who was at Chapel Way until the day he arrived, at which point she promptly bounced and uh, has not returned. Mm-hmm. And she, uh, and he asks, you know, what happened? Tell me what happened. He threatens her somehow. She had done, he knew, he had like something he could use against her, but I can't remember what it was. And it wasn't, it was mild. It was a mild threatening, not a severe threatening, if we're counting like that. And uh, she's like, and she she describes that she found the daughter, what was her name? Marcella. Marcella. At the bottom of the stairs with a knife in her neck. I believe it was a pair of scissors. Oh, yes. No, a pair of scissors. Excuse me. I'm like with a sharp. And then my brain just went, it's a knife. No. So with a pair of scissors in her neck. And as she was backing away from that grisly discovery, she backed right into the body of Stephen hanging from the rafters of the cellar, which... Frankly, it's a little bit weird because cellar rafters are not particularly high up I'm not off sure the also how you get the rope around the rafter in a cellar, but then again, I don't know. I don't know. I live in California. Because here, like, that was the other thing. It's not really a raft. Like, we saw the roof of the cellar. There were worms coming through and there's dirt above it. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I believe that was part of his hallucination. I don't think there was actual worms up there. Right. Maybe. We don't know. It's unclear. We're going to get to the hallucinations in a minute. Okay. So, so he. I was talking to the listener, not to you. Uh, and so then they were laid to a, for out for viewing in the house. Uh-huh. The entire town town came at least once to make sure they were dead. That is the that is the way it is presented, um, and to gloat a little bit because the whole town hates them. Right, which. That's a young lady, like, she was a kid, right? She was, yeah. like, not even of age, I don't think, yet. And then when Miss Cloris went to work one day, uh, the bodies were gone. She presumed that Philip, the grandfather, Charles's grandfather, uh, buried them. Right. And Which he evidently did not do. Well, we it's unclear. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's un- Maybe he did. Uh and then it wasn't long, she says, before he gave himself to the sea, and his body was never found. So mm-hmm. now we've got three dead boons, zero bodies that we're aware of. Now, I'm unclear as to whether he opened both Stephen and Marcella's graves. I, don't, I only believe that we, I believe that we only saw him open one grave. Right. right. But then he passed out or whatever. Like, we don't know. We don't know what happened. But it seems like at least we've got two missing male Boone family members mm-hmm. presumed dead. And Mrs. Cloris and also, uh, what's her name, Emily? Mm-hmm. Are like, no, no, no. We, I saw them Right, dead. we saw the body they were laid out. But previously when we talked, when we had heard about Marcella's fall down the stairs, that her back was broken severely. Is it what they said? And, uh, that was, and that drove Stephen to kill himself. And then we get this detail of the knife in the neck and I'm like, or the scissors, scissors, excuse me, you're right. The the sewing knife in the neck, (laughs) the scissors in the neck. I'm just like, well, was that a prayer post? 
Right. Was that done by her because she fell holding some scissors? Who's going down rickety cellar steps with scissors in their hands? Unless she was using it as a weapon against something else. Against something else. Yeah, that's a possibility. And she stumbled. Or he did it to her and pushed her down the stairs. And it then just creates it. another layer of I mean, mystery. Who knows? We don't know. Right. Yeah. They, uh, uh, is it Mrs. Cloris or Emily that tells uh, Charles about Frigate, uh, what is it called? Frigate Island Hospital? I believe it's it's um, Emily because he is looking through the medicine box left That's behind by right. his brother and finds medicines with labels on yes. them. Yes. And labels including, um, uh, what was it, toxic mercury. That's right. Were described by Dr. Frost who worked at Frigate Island Hospital, which uh-huh. is an asylum on an island, which both seems logical and like a horror trope. So, which came first? Legacy I, I of would. Madness. <laughs> so he goes out there, mm-hmm. and it's a real it, shutter it's island. It's exactly moment. what you would expect <laughs> from a a. Well, it's not even really like a. a it's a madhouse. And the people there seem to be in varying degrees of of what we would call in a gothic tradition madness. Yes. And I think that, and maybe we can address how horror treats people with mental illness. Oh, badly. <laughs> and, and I'm going, when you are watching something like that and you, it, it sensationalizes it, obviously. I think that what takes this story a step in the right direction, though, at this point, is that the horrors, because when you watched older movies, maybe on the same subject or read books, it was all about the horrors of mad people, people who were insane, who did violent things. And that goes all the way back to the early psychological horror of someone like Edgar Allan Poe. Mad? Why do you say that I'm mad? Very yeah. nervous, it's true, but why do you say that I'm mad? You know, I killed my neighbor, cut him up, put him, under, put him underneath the floorboards. But why do you say that I'm mad? That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I, what I, my, my curiosity was about the lobotomy, which is like it, a deeply fucked mm. up thing, but this is way too early for it. That was the right. early 1900s, not the mid-1800s. So pardon my um, historical uh, unknowledge. Right. The very merry unknowledge to you. But in this case, I think what puts this story a little bit better in better standing than some of the old, uh, older kinds of gothic horror stories, is that the madhouse here, the real violence, is being perpetrated by the doctors. Of course. With their bizarre cures. Yes. Including mercury? Uh, yes, and ice-cold baths and things yes. like Yes. Shock oh, treatments. The, yes, yes, that's right. And so, yeah. Well, although I will say mm-hmm. that electroshock therapy... Um, f- f- uh, I, or or um, descendants thereof uh-huh. are very good for severe clinical depression. Mm. I know several people who have undergone a course of of deep brain electroshock therapy, uh-huh. for lack of a better term. I don't think that's what they're calling it anymore. Right. For very severe clinical depression, and it really does seem to have some good effects. Um. Did I'm not it, saying is that it, it has always been used uh, well or good or mm-hmm. uh, with any kind of uh, consent by the no. party 
being shocked. Um, that is not the case anymore. What? Is it painful? I don't know the answer to that. My right. understanding is basically they're inducing something like a seizure, so you lose consciousness during it. But I, I yeah, don't know. Because I felt like this film followed... Um, there was a... There's a, like a Kaiser, uh-huh. I think, either Kaiser or Alta Bates. Is it Alta Bates? Mm-hmm. Is that the hospital name that I'm thinking yes. of? Um, has a whole building dedicated to it right now. Right. Or they did, you know, two years ago. There's um, There was a series of psychological... Uh, horror films that and we've talked about this before that were released by Val Luton, the mm-hmm. producer, and one of them, uh, Bedlam, is about the uh, changes at St. Mary's of Bethlehem mm-hmm. to make it more humane, realizing that the people who were running the hospital were actually exploiting them yes. because there was a period of time, and and that's covered in the film, and and it's uh, the doctor, the head doctor, who's played by Boris Karloff, so you oh, can see Lord. it coming. He's inviting people in to see his quote-unquote loonies. And you pay him a tuppence and you're able to walk through the... That's like the people who would go to the Victorian slums. Right. Pay the landlords. Right. Slum tourists. Yeah. And that was... uh, that was To just look at at the the way the poor lived. I highly recommend that particular film, Bedlam, and also another one, The Snake Pit. Which was a very early film uh, in the forties. I guess it's not so early, but it depends on where your perspective is. Yeah. About a woman who has a what used to be called a nervous breakdown. Yes. And she's put into an asylum. Did she really, or was she just no, no? You know, she a does. She seems to be you know, very anxious. Very. She can't seem to organize her thoughts. Mm-hmm. She's panicked. She gets paranoid. And Sounds she, like generalized anxiety disorder. She winds up going into an asylum, and she does receive electroshock therapy. And it's terrifying to see it when I first saw it. It looks really, There's a, this really horrible scary. Rubble, rubber toggle stuck in your mouth yep. and you're blindfolded and, and with this sort of wet wrap. And it was, yeah, it's terrifying, yeah. but it seems to work for her. Yeah. It seems to sort of there like... There are certain you know, things that it does work for, but the way that that, ha- that tool has been used in the past is not... Mm-hmm. Right, not ideal. I've always often wondered because it, it seemed to be to be like the seemed to me to be just about the most horrible thing because I just imagined that it was very painful. I don't think so. I believe mm-hmm. you lose consciousness. Okay. Um. So there. It, 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 I, I don't or maybe, know. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um. Hey, listeners, if you happen to know. Please uh, inform us. Let us know. My you knowledge don't have is to out yourself as as having um restricted to to personal movies. Knowledge. Actually, it, you could have heard it on a podcast, y'all. Mm. Lord knows, I have said enough things that sounded like I experienced them, but I didn't. I heard it on a podcast. Um. All right. So what he is able to glean mm-hmm. from this visit to this hospital to Frigate Island is that his. Let's see, which ones? Stephen Philip and Philip's mother, Silence, which is a bonkers name. You it's find it every such a puritanical a name. And we're thinking about, this is a woman who had to be born in the mid-1700s, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. If, if she's Charles Boone's great-grandmother, um, Silence Boone. Which was, uh, silence apparently was a quality conferred on women. Yes, uh, right. This was, it was like calling her faith, hope, or charity, right? right. <laughs> um, Let's call her this and hope it sticks. And hope it sticks. It's a virtue. Uh, 
And, uh, but the three of them all suffered. Vermophobia. Vermophobia, which is a fear of verms. Verms. <laughs> Literally, it's worms. I did not know there was such a thing. I'm not sure there's to, there, there is, is a such phobia a thing. of literally everything, but right. it's un- very unsurprising that worms would be a long term human phobia because they've been with us forever. Yeah. And they are disquieting. <laughs> well, especially the way they're referred to here. Yes. And and I guess we get that when somebody visits uh Mr. Bo- Young Boone. Oh yes. But yes, I yes, mean yes. in in this in this point though, it's another conflation and it often is then of science and fancy. Uh, vermophobia and affects all these members of your family is hereditary. That's the thing, yes. Yeah. A phobia is typically... Okay, so here's... Here's my understanding from mm-hmm. a um, non-clinician uh, point of view. Okay. Phobias generally are derived out of a generalized anxiety situation. That's That would be your overarching mm-hmm. a diagnosis. Generalized anxiety... With focuses of phobia, 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 whatever those phobias are. Or OCD is yeah. also a thing that comes out of it. Um, panic attack, you know, panic disorder, things like that, which I kind of all go hand in hand, right? So phobias, though, the actual, what you're actually phobic of mm-hmm. is, is often a learned behavior. You... There's no such thing as a hereditary phobia of a but thing. But that sounds very... There is certainly yeah. a hereditary generalized anxiety. And then here's what ends up happening. Silence is so deathly afraid of worms. And Philip sees this and internalizes that mm-hmm. himself. And so on. And so now there's the question because Charles is seeing worms. He, he had vi- visions of himself right. cutting into his own flesh to pull worms out of his nose. But he didn't learn from... He right. never and was so, around these That's people. why I feel like this is very much the kind of Victorian science and medicine yeah. where you would take a little fact and you'd add so much to it. I mean, yeah. the... The they very, like to right. stories like to make shit hereditary that is no, not hereditary. No, no but I mean this <laughs> is very much um, in the tradition of Poe or something. There may well be hereditary madness, and I'm certain sure. there is to a degree. But, but the way that it manifests like this, as specific mm-hmm. as everyone in your family is afraid of worms. Have you started having the worm dreams yet? That's, that feels like a curse. Right. It's this what is, that feels In the scientific like. community, it's called a curse. Yeah, right. La, malocchio. <laughs> um, yes, and you need the evil eye. What's right. Um, so I think that, but that's interesting to me because I remember, you know, the first story that I wrote for my collection is about phrenology. Yeah. And that's a little bit of science and a lot of nonsense. A lot of nonsense. And a lot of this is... It, and a lot of um, white supremacy it, right. and, and uh, yes. racism. Uh, and it feels that way. It feels that way in this story that's like, okay, he understands that there's a hereditary madness, but he now, th- but the doctor, Dr. Frost, is now telling him that he's, going to ha- he's having dreams about these worms. Right. Like, he wasn't having them before. He's certainly going to have them now. Well, absolutely, because right. now there's... Now the, the seed has been planted there into is his a, head. a power of suggestion. There is also... And then there will be confirmation bias. 
right? But he says all your family members have died from verbophobia. But they didn't so, well, die not died, from it. They've suffered from it. Gone mad from it, rather. Um. So yeah, was she trying to carve worms out of her neck? Was was she afflicted? We don't know. Mm-hmm. We do. He seems to say that the the three generations above um, were. Uh, uh, and then yes, as you say, t- we see have a, a quick. Uh, interaction with Tane in the barn, in what looks like the barn. He's up in the hayloft and the girl from the road, the the adult quarantine girl, comes in and... Um, well, wait, we should mention something before that's actually a little bit cute. Please. Um, Dr. Frost shares with Mr. Boone that his family believed that they could... Uh, stop the progression of this insanity by referencing a magical grimoire. That's right, okay. And it was yes. called, and I want to get my Latin somewhere close to right, uh, De Vermis Mysterious, The Mysteries of the Worm. Right, The Mysteries of the Worm, which is going to come back here in a little bit. Now, what's neat about also, that... also, y'all, the episode title for episode seven, so buckle uh, up, everybody. Is that uh, Robert Block... Wrote a book called this. He references the same way because his mentor was H.P. Lovecraft. Right. He references the Necronomicon. Robert Block included De Vermis Mysterious in all of his books. This was his unholy book that people referred to. Oh, interesting. He created a fictional book. So Stephen King is right. building this world yes. inside of Robert Block's universe. The same way that everybody, Robert Block took things from Lovecraft. Lovecraft, right. He's and saying, everybody else who does anything right. Arkham-related. Or Lovecraft, or, or, uh, or rather. Related. Because Robert Block uh, was one of King's mentors and friends. Of course. He bases it on that. He's carrying on that tradition. That's very cool. Um, Ludwig, yes. Ludwig Prim. Secrets or Mystery of the Worm. So this same book is referenced, as I was saying, um, by the woman who uh, who's still wearing what appears to be a nightgown and eating an apple in the family barn, mm-hmm. where Tane is uh, fortunately safe up above. And she bites into the worm and she says... The worm? She, yeah, well, she bites into the there's apple. There's not much more than, than worms. Like, there's yes. more worm than apple. But <laughs> yes, but what we see first is she bites into an apple. Mm. And then... She says that, oh, she tells, she tells Tane to tell his father to find the book, and then she throws the apple up into the hayloft, and it mm. is, as you say, a thin uh, candy coating of apple oh, and right. a ball of worms. So, y'all, if you are worm-phobic, ver- verm, what is that again? Vermophobia. Vermophobia phobic. They should put uh, trigger warnings on this. There's, there's it's a, a real thing. It, it, it's and apparently disgusting. it's the theme of the right. show. It's not going anywhere. You are hoping we were done with worms, and this no, episode is letting you know no. the worm is the thing. Actually, verm is the word. Verm is the word. That's right. Um, I uh, I like that scene because the actress. Giving the reading is um, gives this kind of tiny sermon about her God. 
and how it's the god who eats flesh. And it's, she's describing the grave worm and how it, you know, it just goes on burrowing through human flesh. Yes. It's disgusting. Which is not and, an earthworm. Right. These are different things. Yeah. What a worm is varies. I, I would say that I do not have a phobia of worms mm-hmm. generally. But there are some worms that I find deeply unsettling. Uh, it's one of those... <laughs> like an earthworm is not, uh-huh. does not bother me. Right. I think he's cute. He's a little wiggly. I might put him on a hook. We're fine. We're good. Right. He has no eyes. He has no teeth. He's not going to hurt me. The, when they pull a nine-foot tapeworm out of some girl or, or whatever, mm. that's upsetting. In Australia, there are earthworms that are two and three feet long. I don't know that I want that either. And I'm so, so, I, so maybe a, I do have a fear of that. A different... Can, I don't know. They must have a different bodily structure. If yeah, because our wor- I don't think our are entirely worms, too I soft understand to, the earth that way. to be an earth. Or, yeah, an mm. earthworm. Yeah, it wouldn't be. But if you get too big, they get armor on them, as we learned from Tremors. Hey, everyone. Or Tremors, the, mo- the science <laughs> fact film. <laughs> There's the the mythical and cryptozoologists are still looking for it. The Mongolian deathworm or bloodworm. Yeah. Which is a horrible, horrible mythical creature. Well, legendary creature. No one's ever found one, so it's probably a mythical creature. And that's, Cryptid? Yeah. Like that? Yeah. Okay. Supposed to be three or four feet long and horrible to look at. And apparently lives on a diet of flesh. So maybe that's what she's referring to. I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 it's really funny. Worms don't bother me. Centipedes do. Oh, no. Not I, millipedes. Centipedes. Centipedes. Hate would, centipedes no. with all my heart. I don't hey, hey, like hey, either of them, but uh, I'm terrified of centipedes. Also, they're more, way more poisonous, and they will they will bite you with their big pincer. Right, millipedes. I stepped I over one recently, mm-mm. and it was just it was just going along its way. That's with the thing. I life. try and think of them like a big caterpillar. Yeah. But if one was on me, I'd mm. lose my goddamn but mind. <laughs> a centipede has all those weird. You know what it is? It's the outs. You can see them. What also bothers me is not only the skittish movement, but the fact that to me, I've never gotten out of my head that it resembles, this is fanciful and strange, but resembles a human spine. Yes. And yeah, that's what bothers yeah. me. It looks like something skeleton is creeping around by itself, and that's always that's given not okay. Case. And the, uh, their coloring can very much yeah, they look very much like, like their bones. Uh, a, a collection of I bones. I mean, there are moving uh, thousands of types of centipedes, so right. not all of them, but yeah, I not all centipedes. But hashtag don't care for them. Nope. Um, so uh, the town is basically turning against the Boons as he's trying to figure. This family shit out. The, mm-hmm. the town is basically shutting down on them. Uh, we've got a scene of the kids getting expelled because some people are uncomfortable, which... Oh, were they trying to teach critical race theory? Uh, I don't... Well, okay. they were trying to allow other races in the room, so yes. I don't... Okay. It's... Other parents had concerns, so fuck these kids, I guess. I that it, that, that is bananas to me. Uh, and then we also see a scene with old pastor, uh, step-daddy pastor, no, daddy-in-law pastor, telling son-in-law pastor, you got to tell everyone at the funeral, at Susan's funeral, 
that she was killed by the by the Boone's disease. And he is pushing back on that, but mm-hmm. I don't think he's gonna win. Maybe he will stand up and really put put his spine into doing the right thing since it does seem like he does want to bounce out of this town with his lady and his he, yeah, his he, it's like he actually has a plan for future and is going to do what you recommended Hester Prynne do. Pack your shit and move. Just go. Go, because what's going to happen to you? I mean, there, there's no ways of identifying people. Pull a mayor of Casterbridge. Just move into another town and say, hey, my yep. name is Bill now. And, yep. And I was a pastor at this small church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I Find mean, a job, keep your head down, and nobody will In 1850, I... But seriously, honestly, mm-hmm. first of all, I would not have survived probably. But if I had survived, mm-hmm. I would have changed my identity three times by now. Yeah. It's not hard. Right. It's not. So, you know, harder for a woman by themselves. Mm-hmm. Just because everything was harder for a woman by themselves. But if I was a dude, every five years... I am ghosting everything, and I'm going to a new place. Right. Uh, nobody, yeah, there's no paper. The paper trail that does exist is illegible, flammable, and chases you by a five-year difference because right. it doesn't know where you are. Like, there's, you know, I don't, yeah. Ooh, let me be a con artist in the 1800s. But... Uh, so, so we don't. We have him saying, "I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that." Mm-hmm. It clearly wasn't the Boone's. Stephen Boone's been dead for a year, right? Um, and the old pastor is like, "It's what you got to do. It's what you got to say." And I'm just like, "How's this going to go?" And it is unclear because this man is, as his wife rightly said to his face, a coward. But maybe he'll get enough, like I said, backbone yeah, on the way out the door. Even if he does, the town's not going to be with him. No, and because he's going to leave, so it's group, not even going right. to, you know, matter. There are more or less more a group of ignorant, superstitious hicks, and that's proven when they show up at Boone's house in the middle of the night with hoods on because. Well, that's the thing. We we um we find that uh, the constable's wife Mary is in fact sick mm-hmm. with the the Boone's disease, whatever that is, and um, there's now a quarantine sign on her door that will not be heated because none of these motherfuckers know what a quarantine is. Right. And then yes, a angry mob goes to chapel wait, throws stones through the windows. Uh. And Charles goes out to confront them and is sucker punched, sucker punched, attacked from the side, at which point he is knocked to the ground by somebody who snuck up on him and hit him from the back. Uh-huh. And there are at least five dudes here and they're like, not so tough now, are you? And I'm like, how about <laughs> that's not a phrase you use because right. y'all are ganging up on a on one man who has literally done nothing to you yeah. except offer you significant amounts of money and employment. Right. Uh, and you all look like you're going to straight kill him. And yes, they are wearing hoods. I do presume the constable is in there. Mm-hmm. I would imagine. Um, I believe the... Uh, 
is it the 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 heavy set dude at the uh, mill uh like the overseer yes, or whatever uh-huh. he's one of them because earlier in the episode did he fire everyone or was that no it wasn't it was after no, no, this no. After that's this. right so he it is likely a bunch of his employees uh they do beat him they are they do end up getting chased off by is it honor with a gun uh-huh. uh yeah which good for you lady young lady uh, on the way out away, away from the the house as they're finally leaving after they assaulted them, broke all the windows and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, windows to replace yeah. in 1850 is so expensive. Holy shit. One of them is accosted by the same dark figure and bled into a bucket again. Mm-hmm. So that's still happening, everyone. In case you were curious about the vampires in the woods, there's still vampires in the woods. Uh, and then, yes, the next day he does go to the hangout of his mill workers and fires all of them. And it's like, what you're owed, the uh, replacement for my windows will be taken out of that, and then you will receive the rest. And you all, I wish you a hearty, a fuck you. <laughs> and he just fucking fires the lot well, of there's them. a very funny moment, Except too. Abel. He well, doesn't fire Abel. Yeah, the Who? same beefy, bearded, you know, galoot. Yeah. Who's caused so much trouble and starts talking to shit this time and gets a bottle broken over his head, knocked down and just kicked around like a slab of beef. It's very kind of funny because it's like, well, this is exactly what you did to this him. This is what you now, just did, yeah. And the same guy's standing around just doing nothing like doing nothing. gasp because they're not. They're not the, the bravest or the smartest. No, 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 no. Uh, we do have a brief scene. Abel had come to the house. Was he there when the when the rocks were thrown? No, no he was there at a different time. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's starting to get to know Honor, which, yeah. Get it? They are cute people and they have beautiful babies. Uh, she goes to kiss him and he uh, doesn't take it very well. And she wonders. Surprised. She wonders. She says, "Oh, did I do something wrong?" And he was like, "No, no, no, not at all." I think he is surprised. He is also like, "Okay, I need to be careful here because they treat her like she's not a white woman, but they'll treat me like she is a white woman." Uh, And so this is very much a rock and a hard place situation. So, And I, as I said at the time, I'd also like to add that he just saw her dad go ballistic on some guys. So, that's true. Also, so, like, right. Um, but he's still in dad's good graces. And I think right. dad has, I think the way that those kids were raised on that boat with everything, right. I think dad knows that. Dad honors. was part of an interracial couple himself. So he he's was, not going to have this issue. Not that issue. Right. And I think he, he understands that honor has a good head on her shoulders. So he is going, he's not going to be like, don't touch my daughter. Like, I don't think he's got, I mean, he'll do that in as much as every dad did. Yeah. As a young man though, after seeing what her dad was capable of, I think that would give him pause. Like, ah, but my sense is that Abel is going to make himself more and more valuable Mm. within the company and within the family. And I, I think either that will win out Mm -hmm. or, He'll die. I don't want him to die. I'm scared for People him. People just get stuck in blood. That's what happens in this town. But not the... Preacher's Corners. So far, though, everybody we've seen do that has been an asshole and an enemy of the Boone family. And Abel is neither of those things. So yeah, maybe there's well, hope. Fingers crossed. The, fingers crossed. the numbers start 
you know, shrinking eventually, one of the good guys is going to get it. So, yeah, I know. That's the thing. Uh, does Charles make it all the way through? We'll find no. out. So that basically is what happened this episode. Uh, next week, we're going to watch episode four. It's called The Promised, originally airing on September 19th of this year. That's 2021, everybody. Until then, though, when we discuss that, do you have anything you'd like to recommend? I I um, I had a moment this weekend. One moment. I had several, actually. But one of the moments I had involved being uh, trying to catch up on the new horror films and seeing one that was, and I'm not going to go into the title or what it was uh, about, but that was just sort of aimless and violent and... Oh, okay, so you're not... I'm like, this is recommends, you have to tell them what it is. So I backed off from it. It's like, okay, let me put, you know, the new stuff behind me for a second. And I... um, I saw a film called Wind River, which I've been meaning to get to. 2017 or so? Um, yes. 2017, very good. And um, I didn't know that Jeremy Renner was in it, so I was sort of surprised. It's legitimately all I know about that movie. Right. There's like a white, it's just, it's snow and Jeremy Renner. That's what I know about that movie. <laughs> and in terms of a trigger warning, we are, the first scene of the film is a young Native American woman running through the snow and slowly succumbing to the cold and the fact that she's underdressed. She's been raped and attacked, and she dies in the opening scene. Um, Festive. I'm so sorry. But uh, the film goes on with Elizabeth Olsen as... uh, A white woman. Well, as an FBI agent who was from Florida originally, so no one has great hopes for her, being sent out to this reservation in hip-deep snow to try to um, to try to find uh, find the killer, and there's Jeremy Renter, Renner, who's a hunter, and Graham Greene, who's the uh, the sheriff, you know, on this reservation, and how these three people, very different, try to get their act together to find the killer. Yeah. Um, what I like about the film, and there is the, the what gave me a little bit of pause is like, okay, we're watching. Uh, Native American people's problems through the eyes of white people who are trying to help. Yeah. And mostly they're not good at helping. But what I did appreciate about this film is that it really does throw the problems of Native American people, Native American women on reservations into clear, horrifying relief. The lack of uh, resources, the lack of manpower on keeping people safe on the reservation, the complete lack of um, support from the government, the uh, autonomy of individual groups who pay to work on Indian land, how they don't answer to anybody. Yeah. So it, it sets up a suspense story, but sets it up so that every single point is hammered home. Like, were you aware how bad this situation is? Yeah. And how people act without any responsibility. And it's like, it's a movie. Mm-hmm. And the the events are fictional, but also it's a movie and the events are very much real. These are real things that are really happening. And this is a possible uh, result of that, yeah? It was released by the Weinstein Company. Oh, no. And uh, being that the subject was about sexual assault, the producers pulled it away from the Weinstein Company and distributed it themselves. Good, 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 Um, good call, good call. 
good call, everyone. Yeah, and it uh, is very interesting. It was um, it was written by a gentleman named Taylor Sheridan, and it was part of his Frontier trilogy. I know who Taylor Sheridan is. And Why do he, I know who Taylor Sheridan? He's also an actor, but he's a director, writer, producer, also. Um, he he wrote and directed Wind uh, River, but he also uh, gave the same treatment to another film, or rather he wrote two other films that were supposed to be part of what he called the New Frontier Trilogy, Hell or High Water or, and Sicario. Oh, I haven't seen which Sicario. Which are supposed to be all and of a, a piece. Sicario's, I know, is I've heard is quite good. Sicario 2 is... Not and well, not Sicario too. From what I understand, is sort of like a thriller based on Sicario, the, the very first film. Right, which is um, so strange. But he uh, also does Yellowstone, which I guess a lot of people do. Right, like. do like I. But um, but yeah, it, it was a really interesting film, and uh, despite you know the the shortcoming of essentially being, and that was something I grew up with traditions films like Cry Freedom. Look at uh, Stephen Biko and his life through the the life of a white journalist who was his friend. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but despite that element, uh, it's actually a really good film. And there's some really great performances by uh, a lot of indigenous actors. Right. And it's always great to see Graham Greene again. So that was like that. And there was another couple of films that I might recommend in the future, so I'm not going to mention them now. Okay. That I saw, but I wanted to get away from like I I didn't want to see another person get hit in the head with a hammer. Fair, fair, fair point. And of course, this wasn't much better, but there was a real life problem and a real life, not even solution, but an acknowledgement of it. And I right. felt like I was being and it informed. wasn't an exploit. It wasn't an no, it was not. It's not done in an exploitative way at all. And uh, um, and so yeah, I really appreciated it. So, what would you? What's your recommendation? I don't have a recommendation because oh, no. I was driving for nine hours this last weekend and thus I was not watching movies mm. or television or listening to podcasts or I don't know. Fishing. I did watch a movie last night. What did you watch? I don't want to tell you because it's not a recommendation. Okay, no, here's this. Here's an anti-recommendation. Mm-hmm. Not even an anti-recommendation. Y'all are going to watch it if you want to watch it. Uh, Red Notice is not a good movie. Okay. <laughs> it's not a good movie. It is Ryan Reynolds, The Rock, and The Rock doing the most obnoxious version of Ryan Reynolds and The Rock, and oh. Gal Gadot doing uh, fuck all. Right. And uh, the the exposition is so heavy-handed and clunky. All of Ryan Reynolds' uh, dialogue sounds ad-libbed. Uh, they really want The Rock to be like a person who sexes now. And The Rock has firmly for the last decade indicated in his films that he is not a person who does sex. Mm -hmm. And now they want him to kiss on people. And I don't like it. I'm not here for it. He can in his personal life. I don't want to see it. So I'm not sure I understand the distinction. You're saying that he doesn't He has been almost asexual in every movie that he's ever been in. He has a daughter sometimes, but you never see him with a woman. Mm -hmm. I sense it's because a meet-cute with someone who looks like The Rock, the only thing you can say as a woman if this man approaches you is, you laugh because you don't look like a human man. Mm -hmm. You look like a wrestler. 
you're so big. Right. Like, it's clear all you do is eat cod and lift weights. How, what, what, what are we it's doing here? That <laughs> I, I can't I, be I like... I find this terribly funny because it's... There was a point when Arnold Schwarzenegger had to overcome the same thing. And he seemed to... And The Rock has it too, so I'm not sure why he's not doing it. I have an ability to make fun of how ridiculous he looked. He well now the the rock was doing that for a while and uh, and, and can do that and mm-hmm. I think it I think he works best when that is what he is doing. Right. That is not what he is doing in this movie. He is fully taking all that shit seriously. Right. Like I really am this ba- this much of a badass. Like right. I really am this sexy or whatever. Uh-huh. And it's like no. Right. And also Gal Gadot is very underused. I don't know if it's because she does not have the acting chops. I'm not saying that she doesn't. I'm mm-hmm. saying I don't know. They didn't give her enough to do in the thing other than to just, you know, walk through a room looking the way she does, which fucking brava, but like mm-hmm. that's not right. interesting to me. But the writing is not good. The 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 fight scenes are not choreographed well. I was like, how how many times is Ryan Reynolds going to wrap his jacket around somebody and throw them? Yeah. That's just like what he keeps doing over and over again. There are just like, as you're watching these chase scenes, the rock rolls under this giant door that comes down, but then uh-huh. is stymied by scaffolding. And I'm like, what is happening right I now? Remember it was and about- it is a movie about <sighs> art forgery and heisting. And I love both of those things. I like uh, Ryan Reynolds. I like The Rock. I like Gal Gadot. I like the f- premise of the film. I so fell asleep halfway through it. Do you think it. the film would work with three different people? No. The film is less, a problem. Well, two less superhuman people and then somebody other than Not Ryan Not if Reynolds. those were still the words that they oh, were okay. saying and the actions that they were doing. No. This movie's fundamentally broken. It's broken at the mm-hmm. most basic level of this is our idea. And this is the screenplay that we've come up with. And then everything added on top of it to make it seem cool and fun and big and, like, important. Right. Just adds, like, another layer of lampooning onto itself. But but it's not, like, fun. There were... I laughed, like, a couple of times. There are a couple of pretty Uh funny lines. But it telegraphs everything that's about to happen, like... Telegraphs it. Yeah, I do. I don't understand. It's just even I. Yeah. I watched the trailer and I was like, "Well, this is fucking ridiculous." You're telling me, first of all, there's a scene where you're going to say to a character, "You you've been put on red notice. That means you're the most um, wanted person in the world, mm-hmm. and I'm the only one who can catch you." And I'm like, first of all, that's an oxymoron. If right. somebody's the most wanted person, everybody's looking for right, them. Exactly. Not one dude in a bananas leather jacket. It's just, it's it's silly. I mean, I, I, I was high when I started it. It was 11.15. I did fall asleep about an hour in. I did catch the twist at the end, even though I was like, oh, right. I know what's happening. Like, it's two minutes in or whatever. Um 
there's a long piece at the right at the beginning that's detailing the 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 eggs of Cleopatra and how nobody's seen the third one and whatever. And I'm like, this is a lot of detail for a MacGuffin that doesn't even matter. Right. This is just the thing they're chasing. It's not. It's, you don't need well, to give me this yeah. much information. I about think it. if you remember when Hitchcock was just the master of this kind of thing. Yeah. When he did North by Northwest. Um. You don't ever really find out what that MacGuffin is. Yeah. Ever. It, it's, it's, Pulp Fiction's the same way. Right. It's like, so literally, complete. they open that. Well, they also took the same idea. It's a suitcase. It's a suitcase, yeah. And it was the same thing when we watched, um, oh God, the uh, the film with Jean Reno and uh, Ronan. Oh, okay. We yeah, watched yeah, yeah. that for yes, early podcast. Yes, you never podcast. know what, what You have no idea. You just know it's a suitcase big enough for a pair of skates to fit in. Yep. And that's and all that's that it. you know. That's what you know. And it is bigger than a bread box. Right. And that is it. And that's basically yeah. what you need to know. Which is fine. Right. They went into so much intricate detail. Like, mm-hmm. these are things that are real. They're not. They made them up for this movie. Right. Like, it's just, it's just up its own ass in, mm. in ways that make it less fun instead of more fun. If that makes sense. So, no, I understand. I mean... Like I said, if you want to watch a bunch of hot dummies running around on a screen and fighting badly, have I got the movie for you? Because this is a bunch of hot dummies, y'all. But please don't vote for The Rock for President. Like, I, I Whoa, just can't. wait, hold it. <laughs> he is definitely 100% oh, setting God. himself up for political office. He's got a uh, sitcom on that right now wherein he is running for office. He, The Rock... Uh, in the current time, is running for but, office, uh, and then we see the young rock and I how think, he got there. It is so clearly propaganda that he is setting just, some shit up. I, I can't. Please don't do this. I really I understand that there's a great distrust of politicians. I share that. However, I'm really tired of amateur people who basically have to be taught how to do their job before they can, and they're getting by on charisma. And I'm really pretty okay nothing that can be done with people coming from them. outside of politics into politics. Yeah, but not from I don't have a problem with that. No, not yeah. from entertainment. I mean, because more yeah. often than that, sometimes it works out, actually. There are some entertainers like, isn't, what's his face, like, uh, Manny Pacquiao, like, well, yeah, he was a professional boxer, right? Or something? Well, right. So you can, you, you can come from other disciplines, but but if that's the case, then of course you need to surround yourself with a solid team who does know what the fuck they're doing. Right. The Rock now believes himself to be too big to fail or whatever. You know what I mean? And I do not think that he's bringing in solid advisors I think what to do things. Is too big or to w- do would do that. Half of the action scenes that we see. I just I just I, I can't. He, he's, that skyscraper like movie yes. when they kept having him jump. I'm like he's like not he a jumper. Can't jump. He's just gonna drop. Gravity. And the is worst part about that it was he 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 can't jump. And also, they put him in a prosthetic. Uh-huh. So I'm supposed to believe that this 380-pound man right. with one leg uh-huh. is flying through the air. Right. Are we on Mars? Because if not, well, I don't understand what I, I, I'm just. Um, it took one trip with a friend to a rifle range to convince me how stupid action movies are. Oh yeah. Because without the They're so loud, without oh. the earplugs, <laughs> without the earmuffs, you would go deaf hearing a gun going off. Oh yeah, much less people firing them in enclosed spaces. I really like um, when in movies they um, do that thing where the sound is blown out. 
Right. After an explosion. That's or much more reasonable, yeah. but it would last with you for weeks. weeks. I can't yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't get it and um just uh No, I just yeah. presumed everybody or presume everybody always has mm-hmm. earplugs. Well that's what my, my theory now is that the reason why Stallone had such long hair in the Rambo movies is that Rambo was wearing earplugs and you just couldn't see it because of long hair. That's so so don't don't so I didn't know. So is if it, you want to watch Red Notice, I, I is it, is, feel free. Is recommending you not seeing a movie something that we can I do don't now? Know. I feel bad. Mm. I don't feel bad. Netflix is making a crap ton of money. It literally at the beginning, you know, they just wanted to say Netflix's biggest film, like like in the opening mm. credits, right. because it does definitely have a big red Netflix presents mm. right at the in front, and I'm just like. I everyone knows. Everyone knows. You um, yeah, I no, I did. It was a bummer so because I was like, "Oh, that's a cast of people that I would love to mm-hmm. see." Then you tell me it's an art forgery and okay. heist film in the Grizzly Maze. I don't know what that is. Is a Netflix film, okay. or they're distributing the film? It was made a long time ago, I guess. I don't know. I think I just did. You just post about this, and yes, it is a film with James Marsden and Thomas Jane. And Scott Glenn. Thomas Jane doesn't wear shoes. And um, Billy Bob Thornton and Adam Beach. Oh, you were saying it was like oh, Adam Beach. Does Adam Beach die? Adam Beach dies in ten minutes. But is that true? Yes. Um, I literally we were driving down the street the other day, and we were talking about how I'd like to see indigenous actors in movies. And then I literally said, and if you want to kill somebody off super quick, get Adam Beach in there. Stop killing Adam Beach. Well, He's like a good actor. Stop it. What <laughs> struck me about this film is that it was so paint by the numbers. Oh, yeah. And you knew you were in trouble when Bart the Bear gets credit before Billy Bob Thornton and Adam Beach. It's like, did Bart the Bear win an Academy Award? Because Billy Bob Thornton won an Academy Award. Anyhow. They would have given up. And Bart it, the Bear, it's not the same Bart the Bart Bear. Bart the Bear 2, actually, yeah, that's credited as Bart the Bear. Because I'm pretty sure Bart the Bear has passed on. Right, has passed on to that great big honeypot in the sky. A honeypot in the sky. But the, the film is just so damned yeah. awful. There's a scene, and I'll tell you, just to set it up, Thomas Jane and Scott Glenn, they find a campsite where a man uh, who is illegally foresting wood has been killed, and the chainsaw is stuck in the tree, and the man's arm is still on the chainsaw, holding on to it. And the like, bear has batted him right. so hard Flew that he separated him from his arm, and which I'm like, pretty sure would have to happen the other way, but go ahead. What, what that, that's a grip right. strength that I don't think the mortal man has, but go ahead. It's like, what do you think happened? Do you think it was some kind of bear? And they immediately cut to standing right behind them, but nobody noticed Billy Bob Thornton. You're goddamn right, it was a bear. And I'm like, holy shit, really? Is that what we're is doing? Billy Bob Thornton feeding it? Is he, is he the better white I, like, plastic issue? He is the bear hunter who's going to go after that bear. And You're blowing it's out like, your mic, so just. It's, it's smarter than your average bear. I'm like, oh, really? It's Yogi. Holy um, shit. It, it's, it's meaner than I your I mean, honestly, just, let me. Uh, Please, and bear pun all the way through. There are random like said, characters. There's yeah. a deaf character in the film. Oh, I is she know, deaf? I don't know if the actual actress is deaf, but for like, I have no idea why she is. And there's just random people in the film. You can be. That, you can have a random character right. that's deaf because there are random but it deaf seems people in the almost world. Almost as if it's part and parcel of having none of the female characters 
have a voice. Oh, shit. Literally, because there's two other female characters. One is killed almost immediately. She's trapped in her car, and another one gets injured, and they keep having to rescue her. And then there's the deaf woman who has to be rescued from the beginning of the film, too. So it's just Thomas Jane and James Marsden, who are playing brothers, trying to out-macho each other. I don't see them as brothers, either. Yep. It's fine. Trying to out-macho each other and rescue these two Ken women. macho. From these bears. It was, you saw the movie, Ken Esmas Macho. I can't tell because I gave up after all. I thought oh, the bear is going to like be the most macho yeah. character in the film. Yeah, fair, fair. And fair. I wanted to see it because of my recent encounters with bears. And I felt, I need to see something more bear-oriented. <laughs> but... Okay, we've been talking for an hour and 20 minutes, so okay. let's wrap this up. Um, in summation, you know, if you want to... Oh, here we go. If you want to watch fun uh-huh. art forgery heist things, uh-huh. White Collar. Right. That was a lot of fun. It was a great show. There are many episodes. Everyone is its own art heist, so get in on that shit. And it's got Matt Bomer in it. He's also a beautiful person. So there you go. That is my... And Tiffany Thiessen. So oh, wait. that's my recommendation. Just a second. There's something else there really quick. Leverage. Leverage was a great heist program every week. Sure. That it, was fun. There's a team. They get together. They do this. They do that. It was it was a lot of fun. So, yes, Leverage is very good. But it's not all our heist. So I'm just saying a one for one. Mm-hmm. Well, a 50 for one white collar. Did you you never watched that with me though? I never watched it with you. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Um, if you have questions or comments or concerns, you can reach us at latecomerspod at gmail.com. You can uh, find us on Twitter at latecomerspod, or you can find us on Facebook by searching Latecomers Podcast in the search bar. Until next time, I remind you to take your medicine, and we remind you better late than, late than never. never.